Coming to you all the way from Paris, Ben Helwig, back from sabbatical. <laughs> hey, mate, how are you? That, that is exactly how they say it when I uh, <laughs> when I, I ask because everyone everyone asks me, you know, where are you from? And I say Australia. Where are you from? <laughs> Just as a and they all say, oh, 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 <laughs> mate, I missed you last week. How's things over there? Yeah, it's good. Good. Yeah, it was pretty busy last week, and I didn't. Um, this is a little tip for travelers: when you book your Airbnb, don't just assume that everywhere has Wi-Fi because they don't. <laughs> That'd be a which we were shocked by, especially here in France, when the the internet is is relatively cheap and supposedly like super fast. Uh, but uh, yeah, not every Airbnb has the Wi-Fi. Dang. Uh, so that's, why, that's that was the main reason why I couldn't couldn't do the show last week. Well, you were missed, mate. You were missed. I had no impact. I'm going to pick your brain about your travels in a moment. But first, let me welcome everybody to the show. This is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. It's uh, so good to have you with us. Thank you for lending us your ears. My name is Glenn Cochran, coming to you all the way from my office. And uh, yes, once again, the other guy is Ben Halwig, and he's living it up in Paris right now. <laughs> we- we are found wherever you get podcasts from. You can visit our website, goodmoviemonday.com, for links to all of our social media platforms as well. And you know what? Be a pal. Like, subscribe, share, comment, all of that stuff. Spread the love. We would appreciate it. Um, now, before anything else, Ben, um, I want to take a quick moment to give a massive shout-out. And thank you to Chloe Ritchie, who took your place on the show last week and did a fucking fantastic job. Um, really, really appreciate that. I mean, there's no real actual substitute for you mate but we are pretty lucky to have people like chloe and melzy to step up and carry the load when you're not around <laughs> did uh, did chloe come into the studio no unfortunately she is about three hours away so you know would have been that's quite no an excuse <laughs> that's what i reckon to be honest with you <laughs> if she's gonna if she's gonna fill my ass print in that seat she needs to fill my ass print in that seat <laughs> someone that will be feeling your ass print in that seat will be Jarrett in a couple of weeks time because he's going to be here at the desk filling in for you so we'll, you'll we'll... be able to get into one cheek <laughs> that's right I need two I need two co-hosts to fill that seat yeah, two, yeah, two. <laughs> one for each cheek and speaking of Jarrett um, he's also going to be dropping in in a moment to um, to impart his wisdom on home entertainment and things like that um, of course we do have the Bonehead Weekly podcast coming up a little bit later too with their fun size segment now, our special guest this week is one that I'm pretty excited about. It's a guy who I adore, and, and Ben will have heard me banging on about this guy for a, quite a while now. Um, some would say he's a dude trapped in the 80s. I would say he's a man of the now who celebrates and preserves the good shit from the 80s. His name is Weird Paul, and uh, there's a good chance you may know his face if you don't know his name. He he does have a very iconic hairdo, and um, I'll yeah. tell you more about him soon, but stick around for that because it is a very fun chat. But, but Ben... Uh, one thing first. Can you hear that? 
No. Okay, well, I'm playing some French Riviera sounds right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just tell me what screen. I'm just I can't hear anything. You tell me what I'm supposed to be hearing, and I'll react as if uh, <laughs> I'm hearing it. <laughs> you've, been, you've been in Cannes at the film festival for the past week. What the hell was that like? It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, we uh, we got to see uh, – we did see some celebs, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but mainly they're a pain in the ass. Yeah, right. Because they block off – they you pay quite a lot of money to go to the film market at Cannes. Yeah. And every time there's a red carpet with anyone big, they block off – like they actually have the police with machine guns block off the road. Mm. So you can't get in yep. to the market, uh, which is always entertaining. Uh, but we did manage to run into uh, Jim Jamush. I think uh, Kim posted a picture of picture of him and uh, and uh, Grant Grant uh, spotted both uh, Fisher Stevens, which I was excited about, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and uh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, I keep wanting to call him Michael Sheen, but it's not. <laughs> it's um, it's the it's. Uh, the guy from Shame. What's guy his name? From Shame. Michael Fassbender, no. Uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Fassbender. Yeah. Grant saw Fassbender and you know, he could tell it was Fassbender by the fact that his cock was dragging him on the ground behind him. for that. <laughs> Did you manage to catch wind of any of that Indiana Jones buzz? No, unfortunately. that There was a bit of controversy at... Uh, the Cannes Film Festival this year because Ooh. everybody I talk, just about everybody I talked to was complaining about the inability to get tickets to anything, and it seemed trying myself. You you log it was all done. It's done over a portal, an internet portal, and the tickets go up four days prior to the screenings, uh, and you get in at seven a.m. So you you log in at seven, you get on, it freezes. Yep, it kicks you. Out, you log back in at seven o two. All the tickets are gone. Fuck, and there was there were rumours that uh, they'd all gone to sponsors and friends, and there are there are actually physical terminals that you could go and use, and there is there are a couple of people whose job it seems uh, to, to camp out at those terminals with like hundreds of people's badges and log in and try and get tickets. Whether that's successful or not, I don't know, but um, mm. uh, I know I know. Look, I I don't know. If, Kim Kim managed to get into. I went with um with my boss Grant mm-hmm. and Kim, who's also one of the the Monster Fest team. And I think Kim managed to get onto maybe got onto something on the red carpet. I'm not sure. She came prepared. I, I not while I was there, but yeah, uh, maybe after she got on. But it was she tried. Mm. She tried to get into New Wes Anderson. Uh, tried to get into Indiana Jones. Even even the they 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 have the red carpet premiere. And then they also have these other screenings where you don't have to dress up in the tux and stuff. Mm. And the Indiana Jones had one at like eight thirty in the morning the next day, sold out. Yeah, yeah. You know, had one the cinemas miles away from uh, from the uh, from the actual um, center of Khan because they they take over cinemas all over the place. Like we we were staying like a suburb out in this place called La Boca, mm-hmm. which I was. Uh, you know, which is a like it's like literally one train stop, so it takes like five minutes to get in. Sure, even that cinema, all of the screenings were sold out. Mm. So didn't get to. Didn't, unfortunately, the best I got to do was stand in front of the poster, which was pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty cool outside of the Carlton. 
the big hotel. Uh, it's kind of it's a very interesting place, but you do like everything is expensive. Mm. But they do have some. They had some great fast food places which I'd never seen before. Uh, one of which, which I can't recommend enough, which was the uh, steak and shake, which was Sold. great. Sold. <laughs> and the best thing about this. The best thing about the steak and shake was that the burger came in like this kind of square or a, a kind of triangle bit of paper that you hold the burger in. So mm-hmm. when invariably, when because they're they're quite large burgers, when the filling squeeze out the back, it it's all contained it. in, in yeah. your hand, and then you can still continue to shove it down your gob, which I appreciate. Yeah, fucking a! You need to snip off the bottom of that triangle and just let it funnel in. And let it. <laughs> Like a trash compactor. Yeah, that's it. Um, most importantly, though, like we need your international toilet report, mate. So as promised, what's the dunny sitch? <laughs> well, look, let me tell you this. When you watch videos on YouTube and they tell you that you don't really need cash because since COVID, everything's gone cashless. And for the most part, you can tap and go with your credit card or with Apple Pay. Do not listen to them because every single toilet outside of your accommodation is going to cost you anywhere from 30, 30 cents to a euro to use. Bloody hell. And they are not as uh, frequently to be found as you would like, <laughs> especially especially if the diabetes kicks in when you're on your trip. And, uh, you know, your the need to use those talk goes from goes from zero to 100 in quite a short space of time. <laughs> So like I, <laughs> I was like luckily luckily the ones at the train station the ones at the train stations mm. usually in, in at least in Paris you can tap mm-hmm. you can actually, they've they've taken care of it and look it is I guess it is fair enough because pound for pound I have never been in cleaner public toilets <laughs> well, because that's that's who, that's who you're paying you're paying the cleaner mm. to clean up after you and you know. <laughs> They earn that. They earn that euro. <laughs> Mate, it sounds <laughs> terrifying. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> Look, I, you know, big shout out to the people who work at that Brussels thing because they saw my predicament and they were like, "Oh, here's a key. Here's a here's a toilet key. Just use it." Cool. I was like, it's about to, "This is about to become everyone's problem." <laughs> when you said, "Like, are you sure?" Did they say, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah. No, these are these are these are from Belgium, so they said it in Flemish. Oh. I'm not exactly sure what that is. <laughs> I think it's a mix. I think is Flemish just. A, I'm going to get. We're going to get letters for this. Is Flemish just, but like the bastard language of German and French, like meshed together. I, I honestly don't. I don't know, know but I had a cold uh, yesterday, and I woke up pretty Flemish. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> we don't get we don't get letters for for my thing. We're getting letters for yours. <laughs> All right, well, change of plans, folks. Uh, <laughs> whoops. Um, you know what? Well, I reckon that everybody I know right now is burning the candle at both ends, myself included, um, except for Ben. You know, that bastard is over there gallivanting around the world, and I can say that right now because I'm recording this at a different time and he's not going to hear it. But <laughs> you know what? Even before he left, he was running himself into the ground too. So uh, 
with that said, Jarrett has taken off for a short holiday with his wife somewhere in the South Pacific, I think. Uh, probably singing Rogers and Hammerstein songs or some enchanted evening or pappy shit like that. But you know what? A well-earned break. I think we all need it right now. So good on him. But that does mean that I am going to fill in the gaps, all of the nooks and crannies. I'm not a fan of my voice being all over the show like that. But um, hey, it is what it is. The only distributor releasing this week is Roadshow. And they're kicking things off with Creed 3, which is making its way to 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. And yep, you guessed it. The 4K does have Dolby Atmos. <laughs> I, I can't deliver that news with the same level of jizz in my pants enthusiasm as Jared, but um, but there you go. Uh, there's also a three-pack of Creed 1, 2 and 3 coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. I have no fucking clue what the special features are on those because that's, you know, let's face it, that's a Jarrett thing to know. And I don't. But the other two releases are only on DVD, so there's probably a chance that Jarrett would not have mentioned these anyway. I'm gonna. Uh, They are the Australian dramatic comedy of an age, which is set in Melbourne during the 1990s. Um, That's had some great reviews. That's coming out on DVD. And Come Out Fighting. It's a World War II action drama starring Michael Jai White, Tyrese Gibson, and Dolph Lundgren. Haven't heard much about that one, but you know what? It, It looks all right. All of those, as I said, coming from Roadshow. Um, not much else. The only other thing, Jarrett normally right now brings some news, um, but I'm going to skip that because I ain't got none. Um, oh, that is to say, the only thing I do know is that Avatar The Way of Water has got its home entertainment release date, which I believe is June 28th, and that's going to be available on all the formats. And joining it is the original Avatar, which is getting its first 4K release, I believe, on the same day. So there you go. That's the news. That's the Jarrett segment. Jarrett, you're welcome, mate. <laughs> Keep enjoying those coconuts. And now, this is the part I hate. Back to me. All right, well, this is the part of the show we might as well call Can't Be Fucked Coming Up With Ideas, so let's steal some from up late. <laughs> that's, that's the gist of it. Well, I like to think of it. I like to think that, uh, that somebody could be fucked to think of them for up late. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, right. Chloe really wants to get you on up late to play these games too. By the way, oh look, I'm de- if, if it wasn't so late, I'd be definitely be down. <laughs> but you know, true. I like to go to bed at eight thirty. <laughs> well, and, and of course, people up late is the other podcast I host on a Wednesday night with Chloe. And the entire premise is that we play these lame ass games, and they're mostly movie trivia, opinion based things. And this week, we're going to give one a crack. Would you rather? It's um, you know, it's it's a popular one with Chloe and I. We enjoy this one, and we're going to give it a red hot crack here now, Ben. Are you ready? All right. You go first. All right. As, so, uh, as Salah <laughs> says to Indy. <laughs> yes. um, you go first. Indy! Very dangerous. <laughs> go, Indiana Jones. <laughs> would you rather? Very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> okay. Would you rather the ultimate deluxe 4K release collection of 80s sex comedies, 25 titles in the pack, or an ultimate deluxe 4K release of the complete Fulci collection? I'll take the sex comedies, thank you. Yeah, I thought you might. I thought, what, what can I do up there that might might you know, cause him to think about it? I thought Fulci maybe, but well, no. Nah. The, well, the, the Fulci ones have already been done. <laughs> so I can get those. <laughs> sex oh, comedies, yeah. it takes a bit more uh, convincing someone to do. Although one of the one of the um, one of the uh, companies I ran into and mm. had a meet with at Khan, they have a they've done a like a I think it's a two hour plus doco. On uh, erotic, ooh, 
erotic, like made for TV erotic movies. Yep. Uh, and like nineties, nineties erotic thrillers and stuff. So basically, the blockbuster porn section. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they haven't sent me a screener yet, but I am fucking looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, you've probably got them all at home anyway. Well, you know, like I've I've had to download them because they, for a while they were available. Now they command astonishing prices mm. on uh, eBay because they are hard to get. Okay. Very Excellent. hard to find. All right, hit me up with your first one. All right. So, would you rather Ernest in a Snake Plissken movie or Snake Plissken in an Ernest movie? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'd like to think that a Snake Plissken in an Ernest movie gives the Ernest movie a bit of a leg up, a bit of, uh, bit of credibility with the mainstream. <laughs> you think? But the other Snake way around. Snake Plissken is the guy to do that? Uh, well, I mean... Brings a whole new audience to Ernest, doesn't it? But but I think I'd rather would, yeah. I'd rather Ernest being welcomed into the Snake Plissken verse with open arms. Like is the third cab driver? <laughs> no, the, no, he's got to be more than that. He's maybe he could be like the, the Bruce Campbell character in Part Two. <laughs> well, the uh, who's the uh, the guy from? Um, he's the albino kind of character in, <laughs> yeah. in Assault on Precinct Thirteen, but he's yeah. also in. Like kind of one of the original gang members that capture Snake Plissken yeah. in. in uh, Although, Central actually, York. come to think of it, if I'm allowed, if I'm, if I'm allowed to sort of broaden that into part two, Escape from LA, I would like Ernest to be the Peter Fonda character on the surfboard. Yeah, or uh, or how, what if he's the major villain, like the guy who controls New York? That's <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> somebody needs to uh, somebody needs to AI that into the. Uh, he just replaces uh, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, and his catchphrase. To... His catchphrase is <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. All right, here's your next one. Would you rather be Long Duck Dong on the exercise bike with Demi Pollack in 16 Candles or Donovan Scott having his face pinned down between the thighs of Callahan in Police Academy? Oh, definitely in uh, Police Academy. Oh, have you got those yeah. big boobies that Long Duck Dong gets... His face planted into him all the time. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he does okay, but I think uh, I think the guy in Police Academy, because uh, uh, he's the isn't he the guy who uh, has all the girls come to his room and stuff? And he no, 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 it, no, no. Donovan's oh, no, got Donovan's got the portly guy, the the, the fat chubby guy. The fat guy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, no, that that works. That, yeah, that, that's more fitting. I read. Uh, there's actually yeah. um, go on. There's actually, speaking of docos, there is a uh, Police Academy franchise doco on the way from the uh, the same guys that did the um, Robert England a, and Pennywise. Robert England doco yeah. and a Pennywise doco. Yeah, they, they spoke to us about that on the interview. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I just I always think these things when people talk about their future projects that it's always contingent of financing, which I assume that ne- <laughs> no one ever gets. And I always assume that people listening heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I did read um, last week that Jordan Peele and what's the other guy from Key and Pell? I can't remember his name. You know the guy I mean. Well, apparently they've been trying to write and get off the ground a, a Police Academy reboot. I mean, that would be fucking great. Yes, because those guys have the deal for it. They have the comedy chops. I just uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the struggle is the struggle is making it politically uh, correct and still yet still funny. That is true. I feel like those guys know how to sort of toe that line and, and step could, over it. They could, yeah, they could <laughs> circumvent. They could uh, navigate right. those like that minefield. Hit me up with the next one. All right, 
would you rather serious ash <laughs> or stooges esque michael myers hang on <laughs> stooges esque michael myers <laughs> That's could you imagine? Could you imagine like <laughs> like Army of Darkness three esque? You know, Halloween kills. Yeah, like in. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Good little two shoes, Michael Myers. Good little two shoes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Good bad. I'm the one with the boiler suit. It'd well, be great. I feel like we've seen several shades of Ash, like because he has had some serious moments. He has had serious Ash, but yeah. Michael Myers, I think that'd be something to behold. Although there've been parody movies with him in it, so I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Do. It's kind of like the the, the uh, scary movie. I want a movie where in his when in his downtime, Michael Myers sort of is trying his his you know chops and his licks at uh, stand up comedy. Like that's what he does when he's uh, <laughs> not killing. It's like he's he's just get, I just figured he's always trying to just trying to get through his janitor's job, his oh, janitorial job. <laughs> in the in the insane asylum until they, for reasons unknown, decide to move him to another hospital only on Halloween. Every Halloween they move. Him. I would like to see a crossover between like Halloween with Michael Myers and Caddyshack, and he just rampages on a golf course. That'd that'd be cool. <laughs> but you know, but he does help. Uh, he does help Al Cervic win. The, uh, <laughs> he's he's becomes El Cat Caddy during the uh, so what the, the, so let's dance. <laughs> yeah. We're all gonna get laid except you. That would be fantastic. All right, here's your final one, mate. Would you rather right. eat the Cubano sandwich from the movie Chef or eat the Tapano dish served in the movie Big Night? Oh, you hit me where it hurts. <laughs> I think. I got to, I got to, look, as much as I love Big Night, mm. I had dreams about that bloody Cubano sandwich <laughs> after watching Jeff. Like, dreams. Oh, and you know when they scrape it with the spatula and it's like crunchy and shit? Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good yeah, choice. I think, uh, yeah, I think, look, at yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'd like, maybe I'd like the Cubano sandwich, but cooked by, uh, <laughs> By, uh, what's his name from Stanley Big Ducci? Night. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, the other Stanley guy. Ducci. The guy the from Mrs. Maisel? Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I've forgotten his name. But yes, but although, like, I mean, I've had an excellent Cubano sandwich and there is nothing like it. So. Yeah. I might mm. have to look around. You know what I found? I found <laughs> here in Paris. When I got home uh, from from Brussels, it took me to, I left, I went, I had to, I had to get the train out through Charles de Gaulle Airport. Mm -hmm. There's a train station under the airport. Uh, but on the way back, it took me to uh, um, Gare du Nord, which is a big central train station, which is where, also where you catch the Eurostar mm -hmm. uh, or get off the Eurostar if you're coming from the UK or Amsterdam. Across the road, they had a Popeye's chicken. Ooh. And I'm very interested in trying the French version of Popeye's chicken because mm. I walked past it a couple of times and it looked great. And if I hadn't been busting... Once more to find the toilet, I would have stopped. I, I feel Plus, like it would have probably been my third dinner for that day. Firstly, I feel like the French version would have a bit more maybe buttermilk in it, and secondly, I feel like all of your stories are attached to needing to piss. It it has become the central focus of my travels. <laughs> it's the tagline for your fucking tourism book. <laughs> tourism book. Like the funny thing is, like if you go, like Grant noticed this every time you go, you went under any kind of tunnel. <laughs> yeah, or walkway in Khan, it stunk of piss, yeah. and that's because it is fucking hard finding a toilet. 
Yeah, because you have and no fucking change. Because you got no, you got to pay for it. It's uh, <laughs> you know, it's like I at this point I've got to find. Uh, there is one I think in Emily in Paris. There's a there's like the oldest urinal in Paris is just one that's out on the street. Like you just walk up to it and use it. There's no, you know, <laughs> uh, building around it. It's just a urinal. Yeah, I well, want to find that one and hang around there the whole time. Now I know what the script for uh, European Vacation 2 is going to be. <laughs> the need to piss. piss right. yeah. <laughs> All right, hit me up with your last one. All right, so which would you rather see? And these these filmmakers are in their prime Ooh. when when they make this film. Would you rather see Walter Hill's Spider-Man mm-hmm. or Ridley Scott's Spider-Man? Oh, my goodness. What happened to Albert Pune's Spider-Man? Yeah, I wanted good ones. <laughs> no, I, I wanted reckon... them. I didn't, want, I, didn't, I didn't want it to star Michael Dudikoff as much as I think that would have changed his career. Oh, this is easy. I, I reckon Walter Hill, hands down. I, I enjoy him more as an action director than Ridley Scott. If you had have given me Tony Scott, that's a whole other story. But Yeah, that's it. Like I was going to say, first up, my first idea was Tony Scott or Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I yeah. thought, well, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Yep. But, I mean... Yeah, it's a, it's. I guess it's like Alien and Aliens. Do you like Alien or do you like Alien? <laughs> yeah, I I just think Ridley Scott is kind of overrated in general. Personally, like he's a good director and he's done some great films, but I think overall he's pretty overrated. Walter Hill seems a lot more consistent to me. Yeah, look, I think I think he's in general he's just he's a lot more fun. Like he's uh, he's much more of a popcorn director than yeah, uh, that's it. Than than Ridley Scott is. And he has a lane and he sticks in it, and it's it's. Below the mainstream, it's sort of you know it's not aiming too high. Yeah, I just think he he gives you the he, you know when you see that it's a Walter Hill movie, he gives you exactly what you want to see. Damn straight. Whereas Ridley Scott kind of you know he aims for the he aims for the stars, and sometimes he hits them, mm. and sometimes it falls short in a in a dramatic fashion. And yeah, you're like, oh. and I feel like a Walter Hill Spider Man would have lots of rumbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Totally. laughs> The action scenes would be amazing. Uncle Beth, Uncle Ben's death would be, would be fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, let's put like it, a yeah. a bit of a, a fro on him with a bandana. <laughs> <laughs> be great. Like that, no, yeah, all the kingpins men would wear overalls and and have roller skates on. It'd be Ooh, great, mate. And Spider Man has to ride a motorbike. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> spider bike. But the spider bike, he's coming after you, Batman. <laughs> Yes. I got a 
song that we can all relate to dopamine drop by weird paul now this guy is great i i have been a bit obsessed ben can contest to that like uh <laughs> it's, it's genuine though like i love what this guy's about and the positivity he's putting out into the world um but uh, his name is actually paul petrosky he originally started ben his career as off the wall paul and that name just didn't stick and everyone just kept calling him weird paul instead so he ran with it well i, th- I mean look yeah the thing from from the doco, he's such a normal little kid. Yeah, but he just didn't change his haircut. Like he's got <laughs> like the 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 youngest was it Andy, the youngest brother from uh, Family Ties. He's got his haircut. <laughs> the, or, the the classic bowl, mate. The classic bowl. The bowl. It's a it's a hairdo. He's very very protective of. Like you know, he he has people comment on it all the time. And I guess he's just fucking sick of it. And um, you know, <laughs> it's his trademark. If he was really sick of it, he'd, he'd get a haircut. No, sick of the comments. I don't we'll know. Look, it, he loves it. I love it. It's the he wouldn't I think be. He should just insure it. He yeah, should totally. just insure it, like uh, like you know, actresses insure their legs or their butts or damn straight their boobs or whatever they they insure. He should insure that haircut, then shave it off, and if it doesn't grow back, he cashes out. <laughs> well, he knows it's it's iconic in 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 the weird pool world. It's iconic, and this guy was the yeah. original content creator. He'd been making sort of short videos since the eighties. Long before the likes of you know TikTok and Vine and all that kind of stuff. Like, so you mean a legit, he's a legitimate content creator, not someone who just shows his feet every now and then. Yes, he's got like breaks in OnlyFans cat. He's got thousands and thousands of hours of content from when he was a kid, and he he uploads sort of snippets and dribs and drabs to TikTok, and that's where a lot of people know him from. He's sort of found a whole new audience on there. But he also makes music, and he's actually released over thirty-five albums over the years. And I mean, the reason I got into his music was before I even sort of you know rediscovered him on TikTok, because I'm a massive Ween fan. I went looking for all the weird kind of music I could years ago, 
and came across some of his albums. And I think it was um, Pot of Macaroni was the song that got me hooked. I got you. I just figured that you were on Instagram one day and you'd posted a, a, a story. Yeah. And you were looking for a music to accompany it and you're like, I just need a song about PayPal. Is there one? <laughs> and came up. You're like, there is. Yeah, here it is. It's also possibly the shortest song in the world. Let's have a quick listen. Thank you. Awesome. Like I've described him and I, I say this to him. He's like an observational musical artist. He he writes song titles based on things he sees and observes and just I was gonna say he's the bizarre offspring of Jerry Seinfeld and Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, he's got yeah. <laughs> he's got one called I Dropped My Almond Joy Bar, which is I that's a tragedy, that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I quite like um he's got one called The Dreaded Gly- uh, Glycoma Test. And um <laughs> The Sink Stinks. I like that one too. That's pretty that one, yeah. <laughs> good title. Anyway, there have been two documentaries made about this guy. The most recent one was called Will Work for Views, The Lo-Fi Life of Weird Pearl. Weird Paul. I highly recommend tracking it down. I think you can see it on Vimeo um, of all places. There are probably other places to get it, but um, check it out there. That's where I watched it. I reached out to him recently and, man, he was great to chat with. You're going to hear it right now. Let's do it. Max Even Huggies diapers have this form-fitting message will self-destruct and th- only way to serve our country. It was an accident. You almost killed me. Well, you know what? We've um we've been doing this show for uh several years now. And there's been several other podcasts before it, but I kind of feel like all the roads have, have been leading to this moment. Weird Paul, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Now, your, your online persona is Weird Paul, so I'm just going to call you that, Thank <laughs> if you. you don't mind. Um, That's I, what most people call me. Good. Well, welcome to Good Movie Monday. It's a pleasure to have you. I um, I totally dig what it is that you do, and, and we're kind of all about that here on the show. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people listening that have never heard of you before, so let's do a bit of an introduction. Um, how would you describe yourself to those people? <laughs> <laughs> Um, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the name, hey? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, well, I guess uh, one of the more interesting, interesting things about me is I've been creating content for about 45 years now. I'm mm-hmm. 52. I started doing it at a very young age, first on audio cassettes, then on uh, video cassettes. And so I've been making, you know, my own videos for my own movies for a very long time. I've also been writing my own uh, music and songs since I was in high school. So I've, I've amassed quite a, a body of, of work already, even at age 52. I've probably produced, at this point, more stuff than most people produce in their entire lifetime, I, I would say. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so take us right back to the start. Like, why, why did you des- decide to start recording all of this stuff? Like, for people that don't know, when you talk about you've been doing this since you were a kid, um, a lot of people have come to know you from your, uh, like, your TikToks, your Vine videos, your Instagrams of... Videos you made as a teenager, or even younger still, lip-syncing songs, just you know, making sort of short films and things like that. Like, where did this all stem from? What gave you the impetus to pick up a camera and document stuff when there's no preconceived notion of the internet? I was just, uh, from a young age, driven with a desire to create. You know, it was just, I, I, it was just destiny for me. That's just, uh, that's the talent that I was given, that I should just be creating stuff nonstop. And, you know, my dad was into 
tech, early adopter of, of new tech. So he got an eight track recorder first. That was probably 1976, I would say, 1976. So I, I was already had heard my voice played back on that. I was really into that idea that you could you could capture a moment in time and then experience that moment in time again. It's like the closest thing to a time machine you know, that exists is having some sort of recording of, of a moment. And so um, then my dad bought a, a regular audio cassette recorder. And that's something that I just started using daily. You know, I just kept kept making tapes. I still have, you know, tons of those. And that's content that I haven't really even shared with the world yet at this point. Incredible. Then, uh, yeah. Then in 1984, that's when we got a video camera. And that was just a lot of people say, how did you get the idea to make videos? It really wasn't that much of a jump from already doing it on audio tape to doing it on video. And I, I'd seen some... There were a couple shows on TV, and this was long before like the America's Funniest Home Video type of thing, um, where people were showing their home videos that they made with their camcorders. And this was in like 84, you know, it was that early. And <laughs> I was inspired by that to make content that I thought other people would enjoy. That was really my goal at the time. I want to make videos that could be on television, just like what I'm seeing here. And I had no actual plan <laughs> of getting yep. them on television. But I wanted people to be able to see the stuff I made. And it took half of my life before that could be a reality, but it yeah. has happened. Yeah, totally. Like, do you remember what the first video was that you ever made? Uh, the first video I made, well, after the after the initial just turning it on and saying, oh, wow, we have a camera and filming it. The first <laughs> thing I filmed was um, someone's bowel movement in the toilet. And then <laughs> my dad was really upset when he saw that I had filmed that. And he, he just took the camera away. And I, I wasn't even supposed to be using the camera. That's the thing that a lot of people don't, don't even see here is that my dad said, you're not allowed to touch this thing. It's not a toy. But I didn't listen to him at all because that I knew that that wasn't my destiny to, to not be touching this camera. So he took the camera away. He said, erase the tape. I don't want to see And unfortunately, that footage doesn't exist anymore. That's uh. lost. Um, I mean, but is that he, a bad he thing? took the camera away. Yeah, <laughs> I hate I hate for anything to be lost. I hate for any media to be lost. Um, yeah. But anyway, he, he took the camera away. He said, you, you're not going to be able to use it again for a month. And of course, I, with my charm and my wiles, I was able to get the camera back that afternoon. Oh, amazing. Well, and we all benefit from that. But obviously you can cram like so much, um, so many hours of video into a VHS tape, particularly if you have like, you know, long form and, and whatnot. But how did you archive them back then? Like, did you have a library or some kind of system? Well, yeah, each tape was numbered. One, two, three, four. Right. And we gave each tape a title. This is what I'm saying. I mean, this wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to sit down here and, and babble into this thing and that's and that and we just put it aside. No, this was all very explicitly, this was done with, with a real archiving sense. I, every tape had a name. Every tape had a handwritten list of every single thing that was on it in order. So, you know, if you I want and we would constantly rewatch the stuff. I'd say, remember the thing where we did this? And then I'd go find it and we'd watch it. So, or, or I would do like a little, I'd say, we're going to do a little movie night tonight. And it's going to be all videos where, you know, had this thing in common or whatever. So that was absolutely not, um, you know, it wasn't like this is junk. We took care of them. And when I moved out, they were just kind of considered family property, you know, they, they belong yep. to the entire family. When the internet came along, I said, okay, I'm taking these now. This is, this is my, this is my future. It's my past <laughs> and also my future at the same time. So. 
Amazing. Well, um, my co-host can't be here at the moment because he's off traveling around the world, but we both come from video store backgrounds. I used to own a store and this is back in the VHS days. So I'll tell you what, we appreciate that whole the whole documentation of uh, of archiving the tapes and whatnot. I love to listen about that. Um, and the other thing is you don't just collect footage and, and content like that. You collect all kinds of weird stuff as people can probably see watching the video behind you. You're a you know, you just collect memorabilia and all kinds of nostalgic stuff. You're like a window into the past, mate. I saw the I, other day. I feel like. Yeah, no, go on. I was going to say, I saw the I other day. I was saying, you're... I feel like in another life, I would have been ar- an archivist, but that's. Yeah. That that's, I don't have time to do everything. One of the things I saw the other day was that you had like um, packets of straws from the 80s. <laughs> right. What, what possesses you to keep stuff like that? Like back then, like, I mean, I understand the videos, but like packets of straws, where does that come from? I mean, there's there's a really part of it is just a very deep nostalgia yeah. for that kind of thing. When I see something that I remember having in the house as a kid, and I haven't seen it in 35, 40 years, part of me wants to bring that back into my life. I want that to be it's important. It's somehow just important to me. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Then there's another part of me that says this is just important to future people that need to be aware of this. Nobody has this kind of thing. You know, it's it's not you try to Google it. You're not going to find it. You know, I, I feel like it's not even there's so little people think the Internet, everything's on it. Wikipedia is just full of all human knowledge. Absolutely incorrect. Yeah. And so there needs somebody needs to pick up the slack. There's a lot of people doing it, but I'm, I'm just one of them. So. Yeah, I mean, well, plastic straws are practically a thing of the past. So, you know, visionary, You're it's visionary. The packaging, though. It's the packaging <laughs> that's important. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love most about you is actually the music that you make. Uh, and Thank you. How many albums do you have now? I think I've, I think I've released thirty-two. Oh, incredible! Uh, have you always rocked it solo? Um, have you ever performed in bands and things like that? Oh well, I've yeah, I've had. There were different times in my life when I said, um, you know, I'm gonna, I want to start a band with this particular intent. You know, for a while it was I didn't want to be, I didn't want my name like associated with a project. I just wanted it to be there's this band and I happen to be in it, you know, even though I was writing all the songs and, and everything, yeah. but you know, I, different times in my life. So I do have a, currently have a band too called the weird Paul rock band. See, now I put my name right in there. Right <laughs> dead center. But, yeah. yeah. I've had a bunch of, you know, bunch of side projects, all kinds of things. I've just, you know, even when I was a teenager, I made an album with both of my sisters separately. I made an album with my little brother. You know, I, I was trying to create with just create as much as I could with anybody that'd be willing to do it with me it's amazing i've been listening to your music a lot lately just you know knowing that i was going to be talking to you and you're you're really hard to pigeonhole and that's the best thing about it and if i had to compare for the sake of people listening that haven't heard your music before i'd say you're like this fantastic blend or or middle ground between sparks and ween i don't know if you know those bands but you're right there two of of my favorite bands yeah excellent well you're right in the middle mate like because i adore them and and i've been listening to your work and they say that there's observational comedy, but I think you're observational music, if that makes sense. Mm. Would you describe yourself that as that? Sense. Because yeah, yeah, that, I, songs... never, I never heard that before. That actually makes a lot of sense. Your song titles, like they're they're hilarious. The lyrics are quite often brilliant descriptors of everyday life. And I'm just going to run through a few titles now for for people listening. You got pot of macaroni, one of your most famous ones. Hello Absolutely. Kitty, Hello Kitty necklace, um, hot water heater. Uh, Hippie of the Woods with an iPhone. I love that. <laughs> My favorite, um, Pop-Tarted. I love that. 
uh, this guy's got a bone disease and uh, piss on a sick kid. Take us through the process. Do I assume the titles come first? Yeah, usually the way that songs mostly come to me is something I'll overhear somebody saying something. Sometimes it'll be just out in, in a public place or uh, or I'll be just doing some mundane thing, doing the dishes, um, using the toilet, whatever. And I'll just start singing about what I'm doing and <laughs> uh, to a little made up melody. I These, these melodies yeah. just come into my head constantly. It just comes right out of my mouth. Instead of talking, I'm singing it. And yeah. I'll grab my tape recorder and, and just sing it right into there. So that's a chorus. And I have thousands of those just on tapes that I haven't even used, you know. So I just go through those and I'm like, oh, I, this is the one I want to finish today. Then I'll then I'll write the rest of the song. But that's that's how I come up with this stuff. I love it. I love it. Do you have a favorite of your own? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think I, Peanut Butter Recall, I think, is one of my best songs. Maybe <laughs> I got I got drunk at Chuck E. Cheese is another one that I think is a very, very good, well-written song. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Like we're gonna, we, we are playing two of your songs on on today's show, um, and one of them's "I Can't Stop Eating This Candy" and "Dopamine Hit." But it's technically three songs if you include um, "Pay for Your Tacos Quickly" and "Securely." Like <laughs> that, that I have that in my head all the time, and my wife is probably sick of it by now. It's great. Sure. The shorter, <laughs> the shorter, the better, because then, the, then people listen to it more times. <laughs> Mate, I fucking love your brain. It's hilarious. Um, and so creative. Uh, and then came the documentary, this uh, film all about you. How did that come about? Well, that's that's actually, that was the second documentary about me. The first one came out in 2006. And then I was approached by these people um, from Hollywood. Um, they actually, they work on a show on Nat Geo called Life Below Zero. I don't know if you've heard of that show. Mm-hmm. But okay, well they 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 were working on that show. Their, their background was in reality TV, and they said they were trying to start their up their own documentary company, and they were looking for their first subject for a movie, and so they they asked me, you know, if I was interested. And so much had happened in my life since the one before that that it's just like it seemed like there was a lot more to tell by then. Um, the first movie was just kind of about my music. After that documentary was made, the internet came into kind of fruition and, and social media so now there's this whole other aspect to my life and so i told them well if you don't make it someone's going to and they said no we'll make it we'll make it so uh that's how that all started and um i still really feel like there's there's going to be another documentary someday about me because i don't, I I hope don't so. feel like the, the, the entire story has not been told yet i really hope so did, did this one do much for your profile um, I don't really, you know, I mean, it, it got seen a little bit. I don't really feel like it really, it didn't really get out there in the public eye as much as it could have, you know, like mm. it didn't really play at a lot of festivals or um, get on any really big streaming platforms or anything like that. But, you know, I did, I did get some people coming in saying, I think it's more now where people uh, find me on TikTok, say, and they don't know anything about me. And then they find out about the movie and then they watch it. And then that gives them a little bit more, uh, you know, of a resource to like understand who, the, who I am and, and what they're watching instead of just seeing some random person on the internet. So, yeah, I mean, that's precisely, that's that's precisely right. Because I, I knew of you for several years. Uh, I've, I've, I've known your face. I've known a lot of your videos from the Vine days, but it was this documentary that, that opened my eyes and, and let me into your world and, and not only um, saw your process, but just, how seriously you take it and that's you know just mad respect man mad respect thank you yeah I, I, i've been taking it pretty serious my whole life i mean even when i was a teenager it was just that 
I, my actors were only my family. And, you know, they, I, I would say this is, I would give them the direction. I mean, I took directing very seriously. It's just, I couldn't get them to understand my vision. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do hope there's a second film in the works because, or third, I should say, because, um, the world needs more weird Paul. Um, we have to we have to wrap it up here, mate. But um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on the show. And I hope a lot of people listening to this go and do a deep dive into the whole weird Paul world. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Now, we were doing a special on our own Bonehead Weekly about movies in 1983, and Chad and I had talked about how 1983, and someone wrote an article, has a ton of just horrible, shitty sequels that came out that year. But we're going to pick a shitty movie that we all enjoy. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, go, Chad. So, um, honestly, one of the, the shitty sequels that came out in 1983 is, of course, Superman 3. Uh, it, it is not a good movie but damn it i love it it was actually uh if i remember correctly it was my introduction into superman movies i didn't see superman or superman 2 that was the superman movie i watched and it's just it was one probably if not my first superhero film that i watched as a kid and i loved it and it still holds a place for me today now i know watching it it's absolutely absurd but i'll be honest with you uh, there are parts of Superman 2 that absolutely infuriate me to no end. And Superman 3, I, I just enjoy it for what it is. I need well, to... I was about to say, it's got that great Borg scene. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it, yeah, the, the lady turning into the Borg uh, is amazing. It's still, and it's still one of those, it's still cool today, in my opinion. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick a part three, too, of a, of a franchise that did have diminishing returns, but there's still scenes I love it in, even though I haven't watched it in a few years. I'm going to talk about Smoking the Bandit 3. Now, this <laughs> is one of those checkered pasts of there's people who say there's a whole version that was shot where the Smokey is the bandit, and that was the original title, and Jackie Gleason played the bandit. I think a lot of this is just confused, and and, uh, and I actually read an interview with the writer, and one of the writers, they went down to Jackie Gleason's, yeah. Like there was a director's cut of the Justice League. <laughs> oh, it didn't help. That was better. So he, he, you know, he would, they wrote it. Jackie actually has one of the writing credits on this movie. I, I didn't know. And, and for some odd reason, I kind of knew Hal Needham didn't direct it, but also didn't know that Hal Needham didn't direct it, guys. Dick Lowry directed Dick Lowry, as you know, he's famous for uh, directing in the line of duty pictures and a lot of TV films with Tom Selleck throughout his career. But Smoking the Bandit 3, it basically has Jackie Gleason in sense playing kind of the bandit. And he's doing a run from Miami to the big and little Enos farm in Texas with a shark or a dolphin or some sort of fish to the tide to his car. And it has one of the great, it has a great opening scene of making fun of Patton. It has a great song of where are you bandit when we get you the most and where you are you justice, justice, sheriff justice when we need you the most. And I just enjoy it's It's a really bad movie. It's a really bad movie, but it's Smokey the Bandit, and it's still Jackie Gleason, guys, and Jerry Reed. You know, y'all, y'all are cute with your third movies. Let me do one that's way more than third, but not even considered part of the actual franchise. You could not talk about the epic crap fest that was 1983 follow-ups without mentioning the movie that splintered a franchise. I'm talking about. Never say Same. never again. I knew that's what he was going to do, by the way. Oh, about oh, two hey. minutes ago, I was like, he's going to do the Connery one. 
Thunderball that they remade Thunderball. So good that they had to remake it with Connery again. And you know what? I watch it and I still enjoy it. Thunderball is my favorite Bond movie. Same here. It is. There's something about Never Say Never Again and bringing Connery back to the role and all of that stuff. But if you know anything about what it did for the rights, it splintered the rights. But more importantly, it gave us Connery one more time as Bond. And and yeah, it's worth the ride. The fact that it came out the same year as another Bond movie is, is fascinating in its own right. So that being said, I can't not like never say never again this has been bonehead weekly fun size 1983 yes if you do like the twang of those voices then do yourself a favor check out the bonehead weekly podcast joe chad and james are heaps of fun to listen to and we love having them on this show so it's uh it's good to have them on the uh the good movie monday uh lineup and look they recently did an episode called worst mums in movies so go and have a listen to that that's good fun <laughs> they pick some good topics ben <laughs> They pick some good topics. They do. They certainly do. Um, they they they're known to poach some of ours as well, which is you know. Oh, I mean, like I'm don't feel so bad about stealing theirs now. <laughs> That's right. It's the sincerest form of flattery. But let us recommend some movies now. Get your proverbial pens and papers ready and write these down, and you're going to want to watch them. Well, I think you should anyway. <laughs> I'm going to take the lead on this one, Ben. <laughs> Movie from 1978. You've probably seen it. It's called Corvette Summer. <laughs> Do you know this one? This was the oh, first nice. movie that Mark Hamill made after doing the first Star Wars. Yeah, with Andy and, Potts. Yes, and he'd also just had his car accident right before filming this one, like literally weeks before filming. So it's an interesting time for him. But tell you what, great movie, really, really hard one to define or sort of even to pin into a genre. But I guess you could kind of call it a road trip, teen comedy, sort of coming of age love story, like if you throw all those into a pot. <laughs> but, and that's you know like you know like a movie that is multi hyphenate. <laughs> that's right. It's um it's about a kid who who restores a Corvette in his senior year of high school as sort of his high school project, and I mean he really does up this Corvette, and to the point that there's no actual fucking way a high school student could possibly do what he does to this car. Like it's you know he makes it into the fucking hottest car in the whole world. Um, but the gist of the movie is the car gets stolen. And then he gets a tip that it's in in Las Vegas and embarks on a road trip to go and try and find the car and get it back. And along the way, he he hooks up with um, Annie Potts, who plays a sort of wannabe prostitute, and she drives around in a fuck wagon. And <laughs> I love I love that she's a wannabe. Like, but you remember back in the you remember back in the seventies when if you wanted to become a, wh- a whore, you really had to work at it. <laughs> Not like today, where you just have on a webcam. <laughs> Like you had to. Well, I mean, she. To, the second yeah. that she takes him on, as he was hitchhiking and she picks him up and she just wants to fuck him for practice. And he won't, he doesn't want to. And it's like, what the fuck is he thinking? Because I'll tell you what, Annie Potts, this era particularly, wow. Like, damn, yeah. like stunning. And I kind of just wanted to watch a movie about her. Fuck Mark Hamill. Like I just wanted to watch Annie Potts. Yeah. I mean, I kind of oh, had the hots. On, for, I'm sorry. I've, I've, I've kind of had the hots you for her the, all along, but. <laughs> You put the comma in the wrong place of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and you basically are talking about Corvette Summer. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I mean, I hadn't seen this movie since I probably saw it on late-night television, I reckon. And back in the 80s, far out it holds up pretty well. Like, I really, really enjoyed this. And there's a lot of things that, that happen in the, in the sort of final act that I can't really talk about. Otherwise, it does spoil a lot of things. But tell you what, it's very... It's not laugh out loud, but it's it's very nuanced and and 
completely engaging. And, and Mark Hamill had all the promise of being more than just Luke Skywalker, you know, but this movie didn't quite do it for him, unfortunately. Yeah, messed up his pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> but geez, it's good. I really enjoyed it. What about you? Uh, I'm going to talk. I'm going to, because a bit on the road, it's been a bit, it's a, it's a bit difficult to check out, to be checking out much in the way of movies that I can actually talk about. <laughs> on the show, I saw a bunch in Cannes, but uh, th- they're not uh, podcast appropriate yet. Yeah, yeah, not accessible. But some of them were fucking great. Some were weird, mm. dark, super dark, weird, and great. But uh, so instead, I'm going to go back to my childhood, <laughs> uh, all those many, many uh, eons ago, and, and talk about this this movie. Like I, I came across it in the kids section of movie land in Oakley mm-hmm. and it was a Disney film and it's in one of those, was in one of those big white VHS Ooh, yeah, covers. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I was, I was like, it, it, I, you know, to a degree it changed my life or at least I tried to emulate it at school. Uh, the following day it's called Emil and the D- detectives. It's based on a, it's a, it's a children's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't for the life of me. I think it's German. Uh, I think he's, I think it's a German children's series, and it, you know Walt Disney, in his infinite wisdom, would scour <laughs> the world for these big Europe, you know, uh, things and then steal them. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he he didn't steal them, but he would basically, you know, buy them and then release them uh, to an American audience. And uh, this movie is about this this kid Emil, whose mother uh, sends him to uh, what's the name of the uh, the. It's not Berlin. She sends him to the um, to the to the big city, and for like me now, I can't remember the name of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, to visit his grandmother, and she she works all the time um, and can't go. And she pins uh, like ten pounds into his um, jacket pocket. Yep. Um, to give to his grandmother, uh, so she can pay her rent and stuff, because that that's you know that she, that's how she can kind of helps. Um. And so, but he gets overheard by this uh, pickpocket who's also traveling on the train, who um, sits in the same carriage with him and, and basically um, slips him a Mickey Finn. So he, <laughs> fall, he falls asleep and he pinches the, the 10 pounds. And this is back when 10 pounds was like, you know, a week's rent kind of thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a whole lot of money. And so when he gets to, uh, to the station of, in the is it Berlin or Frankfurt, something like that? Mm-hmm. He gets to the. He doesn't. He doesn't want to talk to his. He doesn't want to tell his grandmother that he's lost the money, but he enlists the aid of these local kids who he kind of first runs afoul of, but th- with the aid of like this, like literally a city full of kids, he they track down the thief, and of course when they track him down, they stumble onto a much bigger crime. And uh, the 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 pickpockets boss is Walter Slezak, who was at the who was in a bunch of uh, great movies, a lot of Disney movies. He was in um, that Rock Hudson, uh, Jenna Lola Brigida, uh, one, uh, oh, something something in September. Yep, mm, not with sure. Bobby Darren and Sandra yep. D. I can't remember what that was called. Um, but he was also um, oh, he's in um, the Brothers Grimm. Movie as well. You saw that the 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 um, with uh, Lawrence Harvey. 
the original Lawrence Harvey, not the human centipede <laughs> Lawrence Harvey. <laughs> but anyway, look, you look up, you look up Walter Slezak, and he's incredibly for me. He's very similar looking. He's like the he's like the the European version of uh, the guy who played the Wizard of Oz in the Wizard of Oz. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, no, I do know who you mean. But you know, and so that together with the kids, they fought basically foil this huge crime and get a reward. But they also get their ten pounds back <laughs> and stuff. It's just this. It's like this. It's this great kind of kids noir film. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can see it on Disney+. Plus. Cool. I want to check it out. It's, it had the same effect on you, it sounds, that um, Belle and Sebastian had on me. <clears throat> that, yeah. that animated film about the white dog in the Pyrenees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the, the series, you mean? Yeah. Or was the, there an the, actual movie? It was a French animated series, even though it took place in Austria. Yeah. Um, it was like a French animated series and... It's very hard to come by. Like I've got a bootlegged copy that was just taken off a TV broadcast, but there's a DVD box yeah, set out there on... that's only available in French and has no English at all, even subtitle. Oh, right. I, I used to have. To, I used to watch it on the ABC. Yeah, that yeah. Show, and there was also. Do you remember um, Bumpy Bumpy Boo? <laughs> Play the same. They call him Bumpy. <laughs> well, there's actually been um, four movie adaptations in the last ten years of Bell and Sebastian. Like, um, which for, I think I think a lot of them are on SBS on demand. Yes, or um, at least they were up to relatively recently. Which I did enjoy the first one, but they kind of just got really, really long and drawn out after that. But um, anyway, we're not talking uh, about Bell and Sebastian because it's because uh, <laughs> what's his name plays the uh, the grumpy grandfather, right? Um, uh, the bad guy from Bad Boys. Oh yeah, I don't know what his name is. He's in uh, lots of movies. Cheeky Cheeky Caro. Cheeky Caro. <laughs> That's his name. I want to say Cheeky Caro. <laughs> it's it's T C H. I always I've always said Cheeky Caro, but uh, he's also in the Patriot with Mel Gibson. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's in the Core, but he's the he's the grumpy grandfather who kind of you know. Helps yep. Bell and Sebastian. There you go. There's a there's a bonus recommendation for everybody. But um, we have reached the end of the show, mate. It is very very early over there, and you've still got your whole day ahead of you. I certainly do. And hey, being Good Movie Monday, it's early here. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. <laughs> but um, it's, it's actually I'm actually recording at the right time <laughs> that the show drops. Yep, totally, totally. Um, but please come back. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Next week, I'm going to be in the lovely UK. Well, you'd have to come back. You can't afford to shit. That's right. I'm hoping the toilets are free in the UK, <laughs> at least in the Maccas. Yeah. Like if you buy it, like that's the oh, it's such a kick. In, it's, it's literally a kick in the a kick in the pants when you're like, I've just paid for this because you make the mistake not knowing. You think, okay, I'll buy. I'll buy something to drink at this place, which is the worst thing you can do if you're busting for a piss is to, is to pour <laughs> pour more water into your. Uh, into your bladder, like oh, I'm gonna fill it up a bit more until it's literally coming out of my ears. <laughs> uh, in the in the vain attempt to use their their facilities, and when you get there, there is a person standing there, like coughing with their hand out, and you're like, oh, come, <laughs> come on, <laughs> Jesus, does he shake it for you? It's usually it's usually a woman, even better. <laughs> and I don't know if that costs more more euros. <laughs> well, test it out. Hey, get back let me to tell us. you though. Let me tell you though, they all look thoroughly unimpressed. <laughs> I haven't seen one happy one. Oh Jesus! All right, time to wrap it up. Um, thanks, mate, for phoning this in. I know that it is um, it's it's a big ask for you to be doing the show while you're over there traveling, but do appreciate it. 
No, I look, I just just a chance to speak English without uh, looking like an idiot. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a major plus. That's true. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget, go to goodmoviemonday.com and find our social media pages and like, share, subscribe, and all that kind of stuff. We're going we're gonna to let Weird Paul take us out with a movie that Ben and I can identify with and have proven to be true on the podcast at the desk. It's a song called Can't Stop Eating This Candy and um, relatable, absolutely relatable. <laughs>